Broadcasting live from the KVXL studios at Liberty Baptist Church in Las Vegas. Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. The Frittle Show with Crystal Heath. I've said that we must be cautious in claiming God is on our side. I think the real question we must answer is, are we on his side? Faith, family, freedom. For me, it's very simple. I think we've got to... We've got to get the country back on the right track with the most inspiring agenda. A voice in the desert. Now, here's Crystal Heath. For principle, who unite us all behind shared values, who cast aside anger for love. That is the standard we should expect from everybody. And to those listening, please, Don't stay home in November. If you love our country and love your children as much as I know that you do, Stand and speak and vote your conscience. Vote for candidates up and down the ticket who you trust to defend our freedom and to be faithful to the Constitution. And that was, of course, Ted Cruz last night at the GOP convention causing what turned out to be a huge uproar. Here's The boos are still going. The boos are still going in that clip, and I can keep it going, but uh, it continued for quite some time. And what's amazing to me is that it goes from, he says, please don't stay home in November. Huge applause. If you love America and you love your children as much as I know you do, vote your conscience, vote for candidates up and down the ballot who will defend the Constitution. And the GOP boos him for this. I never thought I would see such a thing. I never thought I would see the day that GOP voters would boo someone that told them not to stay home and to vote their conscience. What? I, I don't, I don't, I don't. Wow. 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 And obviously, the booing is because Cruz didn't come flat out and say, everyone go vote for Donald Trump. And now there's this big supposed scandal because Ted Cruz pledged that he would endorse the candidate. Well, no, actually he didn't. And everyone's like, yes, they all took the pledge. No, they pledged that they would support the nominee, not that they would endorse Donald Trump. And there is a difference between endorsing someone and supporting them. I, I know some friends that are, or I have some friends rather, that are somewhat high up in the RNC, and I talked to them about uh, about a potential Trump candidacy when it had gotten down to just Trump and Cruz, and I knew they were not Trump supporters. I said, what are you going to do? Because you're RNC, you have to go along, get along. And on more than one occasion, I had them tell me, look, I'll, I'll vote for him in November, but I'm not going to tell anyone else to. And these are people who are actual RNC officials. All right. So there's a difference between supporting someone and endorsing them. Endorsement implies embracing everything that they stand for. 
that's and obviously Ted Cruz did not do that. And I think you know, it's, it's kind of hard to fault him when you had Trump all throughout the campaign. I mean, he, the things that Donald Trump said about Ted Cruz's wife were just disgusting. Not to mention him accusing his father of being involved in the plot to assassinate JFK. I mean, it's kind of, and and then never apologizing for those things. And and Cruz is talking about that this morning at the Texas. Uh, delegation breakfast but we're going to have Texan Stephen Perkins and uh, Outset Magazine's Katie Moyer are going to join us again this morning and we'll talk more about this. I don't want to spend too much time on it right now because I know we've spent most of our time this week talking about things with the convention so I'm going to wait. We'll talk more about Ted Cruz and the convention last night. We had Mike Pence uh, also spoke Gave a, a, a very good speech. Uh, so we'll get to that at the bottom of the hour with Stephen Perkins and Katie Moyer. But I did want to start with that because it's just... Uh, it, I, I look at this and I just I smile. I'm like, did you really think you were going to get anything else from Ted Cruz? This is who Ted Cruz is. This is what Ted Cruz does. Ted Cruz does not step aside for anyone. He stands on his principles at all times. That's why he isn't liked in Washington, D.C. And it's kind of ironic, really, that <laughs> you, you, you get the most anti-establishment person on stage. He encourages people to vote their conscience and then we boo him. Because, you know, down with the establishment, which, yeah, okay, I, I, oh, I have to stop. I have to wait. I have to wait till the bottom of the hour or we'll just be talking about this the whole time. Okay. All right. Wrap it all up here. Move on, Crystal. Move on. Okay, so if you are a, uh, f- a Southwest Flyer, it's a, not a good day for you. Uh, more than 220 flights around the country have been canceled for today. There were hundreds of flights canceled yesterday. Southwest is having computer problems. People could be seen standing in line early Thursday morning at McCarran, just downtown, and more Southwest planes than usual could be seen sitting on the tarmac. However, it is not known at this time exactly how many Southwest flights at McCarran are affected. Wow. You can check the status of flights at McCarran International Airport uh, at McCarran.com. Southwest Airlines sent out the following statement. They said Southwest Airlines has been experiencing intermittent performance issues earlier this afternoon, this was yesterday, with multiple technology systems as a result of an outage. We are now managing flight delays across our system with a temporary ground stop in place for those flights that have not left the gate. We apologize to our customers whose travel plans are impacted. We have a team of experts working diligently to resolve the technical issues, and their efforts have systems gradually coming back online. We expect to continue our move toward a normal operation, but believe it will take time. Updates will be posted on swamedia.com, our Southwest Facebook page, and Twitter account. So if you're flying Southwest, don't go to the airport just yet. Make sure you check the status of your flight before you head out to McCarran, because it's very possible that your flight has been delayed or possibly even canceled. So bad news there. Generally speaking, I, I fly Southwest a lot, and I've never had really any major issues with them. So that's really kind of disappointing for Southwest, especially considering all the business that they do here in Las Vegas. 
Um, so let's hit on some headlines from this week that I haven't gotten to because of convention news. Uh, this is from Hannity.com. President Obama says cops will be a lot safer if they admit there's a problem. We can add a new chapter to the annals of divisive anti-cop rhetoric President Barack Obama has embraced over the past seven and a half years. On Monday, just one day after three cops were ambushed and killed in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, the president suggested that if cops admit there's a problem, then they will be a lot safer. The president's remarks came during a press conference alongside the president of Spain. If police organizations and departments acknowledge that there's a problem and there's an issue, then that too is going to contribute to real solutions. And as I said yesterday, that is what's going to ultimately help make the job of being a cop a lot safer. The abolition movement was contentious. The effort for women to get the right to vote was contentious and messy. There were times when activists might have engaged in rhetoric that was overheated and occasionally counterproductive. But the point was to raise issues so that we as a society could grapple with it. The same was true with the civil rights movement, the union movement, the environmental movement, the anti-war movement during Vietnam. And I think what you're seeing now is part of that long-standing tradition. I mean, talk about out of touch. Look, you have police officers being gunned down in cold blood, and this is what you come up with? I mean, so rather than call for a cessation to this senseless violence and encourage people to respect and thank our law enforcement personnel for all they do to serve us and serve our communities and keep us safe, they are our public servants. Instead, the president's solution is that, you know, all police departments should come out and admit that they're racist, and then all of a sudden that would just make things magically better. So in essence, what he's saying is he wants even the non-racist cops, which the vast majority are not racist, but you just want all of them to say that they're racist, and then that's somehow going to appease the Black Lives Matter movement, and the world will be a happy, wonderful place again. I doubt that very, very much, Mr. President. Very much. All right, here's our tip of the day story. You're not a Jason Bourne. This is from the Los Angeles Times. Selling secrets to the Russians, Jason Bourne fan arrested in spy drama on of his own. Gregory Allen Justice had a sick wife, a job at which he felt unappreciated, and a fascination with cinematic secret operatives such as Jason Bourne and James Bond. He had a special love for the Americans, the FX, fe- FX series about KGB spies in the United States. As an engineer on the night shift at a large defense contractor, Justice 49 of Culver City had access to sensitive technical data about military and commercial satellites, according to federal authorities. He was arrested last week on charges that he sold information to a man he believed was an agent of Russian intelligence. He told the supposed spy, who was really an undercover FBI agent, that he needed money to pay his wife's mounting medical bills, according to an FBI affidavit. But he sent thousands of dollars, including much of what he got from the FBI, to a mysterious woman in a Long Beach apartment who entreated him for cash and gifts, said the affidavit. All right. So, tip of the day. You ready? You are not Jason Bourne. You are also not a unicorn. You are not a leprechaun. I know it's hard to accept and embrace the truth, but sometimes, believe me, in the long run, you will be better off. I mean, it is better for you, if you understand right now uh, that, that, that you're not a leprechaun. It's better if you, if you embrace that fact now than if you reject that truth and find out later 
after you have been searching under every rainbow for a pot of gold that it's not actually there. Or you're better off realizing that you're not actually an action movie star than that you don't, and then you get arrested because you're trying to be a spy without actually being a spy. I mean, that's, that's got to be the worst, right? You're deluded into thinking that you're a spy, but you get zero of the spy benefits. You don't get the cool car or the exploding bubblegum. All you get is arrested. That's a bummer, dude. Bummer for you. So, Jason Bourne is a fictional character and you are not him. Same goes for James Bond. Speaking of arrested, here's somebody that should be. Castro, housing secretary and potential Democratic vice presidential prospect Julian Castro violated federal law when he touted Hillary Clinton's candidacy in a media interview earlier this year, according to a federal watchdog report released Monday. This is from our friends over at KDON AM720. The seven-page report by the U.S. Office of Special Counsel concluded that Castro violated the Hatch Act, which bars most executive branch officials from expressing their political views while on official business. According to the report, he crossed the line during an April 4th interview that mostly was about HUD's plans to increase Internet access to children and other agency-related issues. The Obama Department conveniently has decided that they are not going to seek any sort of prosecution against Castro. Now, this is the guy that I've been saying that I've expected for Hillary to pick as her VP, but I think this kind of puts a damper on his chances. In fact, I think he's probably out now that this has come up. But, you know, considering that Hillary is a criminal, maybe it would make sense. Maybe they can just have a full-out criminal ticket. But I don't think that they will do that. I think this will effectively knock Castro out of the running. And uh, some people are saying that Hillary is going to announce her choice and campaign with her VP pick actually tomorrow in Miami. Which is a really great great way to steal Trump's spotlight. I mean, he's, he's giving his uh, nomination acceptance speech tonight. I would be very much less than shocked if Hillary's VP pick doesn't just happen to leak right around the time of Trump's uh, acceptance speech. Because which one of those do you think that the media is going to cover? Trump's speech or Hillary's VP pick? I mean, I, I don't think it takes a rocket scientist to figure it out, but... Two names have emerged from Clinton's VP deliberations. This is from the Washington Post. It looks like it's going to be either Kane or Vilsack. Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack and Senator Timothy McCain of Virginia have emerged as the leading candidates on a longer list of finalists Hillary Clinton is considering for her vice presidential running mate, according to interviews with multiple Democrats with knowledge of her deliberations. Although her list is not limited to these two, Clinton has spoke highly of both in recent days to friends and advisors as she closes in on an announcement that could come as soon as Friday. It's interesting. Kane has been a favorite for the job for months and is the name most often mentioned by Democrats as the front-runner. He and Vilsack share many professional and political attributes, notably their governing experience. Both fit Clinton's ideal of low-key loyal effectiveness, people who know both men said. Vilsack carries the additional quality of a long-standing personal friendship with Clinton. Two Democrats describe Perez as a solid third choice, but others caution that he may not be in the same category as Vilsack and Kane. Several Democrats emphasize that the fact that Kane and Vilsack appear to be the leading contenders does not preclude Clinton's continuing to weigh her choices from a larger list of contenders. Blah, blah, blah. Basically, it looks like it'll probably be Vilsack or Kane, and we'll learn more about those two gentlemen as Mrs. Clinton makes her choice. Uh, do I have time for this? 
I really want to get this in. All right. So the good news from the GOP convention yesterday is that the Trump campaign finally issued an apology for the Melania plagiarism incident, which, as I discussed uh, yesterday with or no, I guess it was. Was it yesterday? I don't remember which day it was, but we discussed it. Um, We've been saying since Tuesday here on the show that they just needed to issue an apology and be able to move on, which they did. And it was a, it's a good apology. Basically, you have a woman who says she's a speechwriter. Actually, I'll just I'll read you part of it. To whom it may concern, my name is Meredith McIver, and I'm an in-house staff writer at the Trump Organization. I'm also a longtime friend and admirer of the Trump family. In working with Melania Trump on her recent First Lady speech, we discussed many people who inspired her and messages she wanted to share with the American people. A person she has always liked is Michelle Obama. Over the phone, she read me some passages from Mrs. Obama's speech as examples. I wrote them down and later included some of the phrasing in the draft that ultimately became the final speech. I did not check Mrs. Obama's speeches. This was my mistake and I feel horrible for the chaos I have caused Melania and the Trumps as well as to Mrs. Obama. No harm was meant. She then continues that she offered her resignation to Mr. Trump and the Trump organization and they rejected it. Okay, so that's fantastic. They apologize. That's great. You think, yes, we can move on, except there's a problem. And the problem is they issued this apology on Trump organization letterhead. Also, there is no distinction of if uh, Miss McIver was working for the Trump organization while writing this speech or if she was working for the Trump campaign. Not to mention that she said she was working with Melania Trump on her first lady speech, which is just kind of bizarre, but you know, whatevs. Well, what's the big deal? It's on Trump organization letterhead. You know, does it really matter if she's talking to the Trump campaign or the Trump organization? Yes, it does. Because... Um, it's kind of illegal for her to do so. It's kind of illegal for the Trump campaign. And I'm, I'm not joking. As someone who's worked for several political campaigns, this is the stuff our nightmares were made of. That and the 100,000 envelope direct mail pieces that we did. But you cannot use corporate funding, time, or resources to campaign or to aid in a campaign. It's against the law. It's against the Federal Ethics Commission Act. I think that's what it is. FECA. Is it Federal Ethics Commission Act? Or is it Campaign? Federal Election Campaign Act. I'm sorry. Now, that said, if you can use a corporate employee's time, and you can even use corporate resources, if... They are bought and paid for in advance. When that is the case, then it's not actually illegal. (laughs) Isn't campaign law just so fun? This is also from the Washington Post. Did the Trump campaign violate federal law by using a Trump organization speechwriter? Um... There's a problem. Notice the letterhead of the statement. The Trump Organization, this is after they talk about the letter itself, which is to say Donald Trump's personal business. And notice how MacGyver describes herself as an employee of the Trump Organization, not the campaign. If Trump used corporate resources to write a political speech, that could be illegal. On the face of it, this looks like a corporate violation, explained Lawrence Noble, general counsel for the Campaign Legal Center. And that is a violation of federal law. It can result in civil penalties to the corporation and the campaign. If the campaign used corporate resources willingly and knowingly, the offense is a criminal one. Noble notes, however, that the campaign has regularly used corporate staff for the campaign, but have properly accounted for that by 
that use by paying the staff from the campaign. Trump's campaign can use Trump Organization staffers if those staffers are paid for that work by the campaign. It's very hard to tell exactly what's going on, Noble said, but it's possible that what they're doing is paying in advance for the use of staff. Campaign filings show that the Trump campaign has done this frequently as long as the staff are paid for their campaign work by the campaign and in advance it's allowed. The campaign also has to compensate the corporation for any resources used, a computer, a printer, and a desk. If Trump for president anticipated using MacGyver and then wrote a check to Trump Org for her time and electricity and so on, then they're covered. But the way the campaign finance reports are filed, it's hard to know if this is what happened even after the fact. The fact that the letter is on Trump Organization letterhead is a separate problem all by itself. The Trump Organization should not be providing anything to the campaign that it is not paying for, Noble said, including letterhead. It also reinforces the idea that McIver wasn't working for the campaign at all as legally required. The letter contains no suggestion that McIver was a campaign employee at any point. Noble points out that she offered to resign her position, but which position? We don't know. For it to have been legal, she was working for the campaign. But it seems clear that who she offered her resignation to was the Trump Organization. What we should have expected is a letter on campaign letterhead talking about how MacGyver, as a campaign employee, accidentally included part of Obama's speech, but that is not the case. This sort of murkiness doesn't usually arise because most presidential candidates don't have a separate larger operation that they're trying to manage at the same time as their political bids. That Trump does makes overlap like this more possible and more of a problem. If that doesn't leave you thoroughly confused about what is and is not illegal when it comes to campaigning, this, yeah, yeah. Sometimes I don't really miss my former life. <laughs> All right, we got to take a break. I'm, we're going to talk a lot about uh, the Ted Cruz incident from last night. We're going to talk about Mike Pence. We're going to talk about Donald Trump's acceptance speech coming up this evening. Cruz also was addressing the Texas uh, delegation this morning. A lot to talk about there. We're going to have Texan Stephen Perkins and uh, Katie Moyer of Outset Magazine are back again this morning to break those things down with us. Today's programming is brought to you by Krispy Kreme Donuts Fundraising Opportunities. Krispy Kreme Donuts are available, or fundraisers are available year-round. So are the donuts, actually. <laughs> but the fundraisers could take place over one to two days or one to two weeks if your educational, religious, community, or charitable cause is looking for a fun way to meet your financial goals. Krispy Kreme can help. Krispy Kreme provides free fundraising materials for your use, and you can visit KrispyKreme.com slash fundraising or your local Krispy Kreme to learn more. Our thanks to Krispy Kreme for their support of KVXL programming. All right, we're going to play uh, Ancient Words from Michael W. Smith. We'll be back in just a few minutes with Stephen Perkins and Katie Moyer. Don't go away. And welcome back. You're listening to The Frittle Show on KVXL 101.1 FM Experience Liberty Radio in Las Vegas. Stephen Perkins and Katie Moyer are back. They're both with Outset Magazine. Katie is actually in Ohio at the convention. Stephen, you know, we just invite him because he's fun to talk to. How are you guys today? Very well. Thank you. Awesome. Okay, so, you know... I'm going to be really honest. Going into this convention, I was like, oh, you know, it's going to be another boring convention because they always are. Nothing exciting ever happens. Such has not been the case. And I think that if you look at the storylines and the headlines after each day of the convention, I don't think they're exactly what the Trump campaign had in mind to be the 
storyline. It's it's always been something else. And of course, this morning, the continuing story is that Ted Cruz did not endorse Donald Trump. Oh, the outrage. So, Stephen, you're a Texan. Let's start with you. What did you think of Ted Cruz's, um, um, shall we call it the Ted Cruz gate, Ted Cruz scandal, Ted Cruz incident? I don't know. I haven't picked a good name for it yet. But what did you think of it? I, I, I mean, what did you expect from a, a senator from Texas? We're known for being independent and, and not necessarily sticking the status quo. But uh, I, I thought his speech was good. And I was listening. I wasn't watching. I was listening in the car. Um, and, and it sounded like a really strong, um, a really strong speech. And really the, the first time that I've, out of this convention, have heard kind of a, a true conservative vision um, even policy-wise for what the party should be. Mm. And, and what, I, what I thought was, was odd, and a lot of people commented on this, is when he said the vote your conscience, uh, vote for someone who you believe will uphold the Constitution, and that got booze from Trump supporters. Yeah. And, and, and I, I heard that on my end, and I thought, well, that is just, that is the strangest thing, that at a Republican convention we're booing the idea that we should vote for someone who will essentially uphold the ideas that the party has always claimed to uphold. Um, so other than that, obviously people are very angry that he did not endorse. He was denied entrance. You've probably seen the story, denied entrance to uh, Sheldon Adelson's uh, suite last night. Um, and so <laughs> this is kind of solidifying this idea that there are a lot of Republicans who do not like Ted Cruz, um, and, and he certainly did not help them get over that last night. No, and what I think is ironic is that many of the individuals who love Donald Trump love him because uh, they claim he's not establishment and they want to overthrow the establishment and we're all anti-establishment this year. But I think what so many people forget is that Ted Cruz, and then you throw in Mike Lee, of course, they're the most non-establishment guys that we have serving in Washington, D.C., it's not really cool for us to make enemies out of them, especially when, as you said, Stephen, I didn't get what we were booing. I mean, I understand that he didn't come straight up and say, vote for Donald Trump, but he said he congratulated Trump right out of the gate in his speech. He blasted Obama and Hillary. He said, don't stay home in November. And he said, if you love your country and you love your children as much as I know you do, get out and vote your conscience. I just don't mm-hmm. understand what's so controversial about that personally. Katie, were you on the floor at the time of Cruz's speech? I was not on the floor, but I was watching. Um, I spent a lot of time yesterday outside covering the protest, so I was watching the speech as okay. it was going down out in the street um, because I had lots of televisions outside there. But um, I think that there's definitely been a divide between the Trump and the Cruz people, the entire convention. You see lots of people with the still sporting their cruise pins, things like that. And I think anyone who really thought that Ted Cruz, the principal conservative, was going to come out after Donald Trump trashed his wife, said that his dad was maybe, uh, what did he say about his dad in the National Enquirer? That the JFK. Maybe he had something to do with JFK yeah. stealing or something. Like, if you really thought that he was going to come out and endorse him, 
after all of that nonsense that Trump did. I think that you don't know Ted Cruz that well because I think that he's always going to stand by his principles over a party or a person. Yeah, and I think it's important to remember, too, that none of them, everyone is saying, well, all the candidates took a pledge to endorse the nominee, but actually they didn't. They took a pledge to support the nominee. And is it semantics? Yes, but I think there is a difference there. And I thought Newt had some really good points. He came on, obviously, uh, as you all know, right after Ted Cruz at the convention. And he basically was like, he said, vote your conscience. And for the person that you most think will uphold the Constitution, how do you not see that as being Donald Trump? He basically told you to vote for Donald Trump. He just didn't use his name. Now, I think that that's not exactly what Ted Cruz was saying, but I thought it was a good job by Newt to try and smooth over some ruffled feathers. What do you think, Stephen? Yeah, these are people who clearly think that Donald Trump is the right man for the job. So voting their conscience would be voting Donald Trump. So, again, it it just it, it baffles me. Um, but I, I think you can also tie it in possibly to a, to a, a bigger-picture commentary on the Republican Party, like you mentioned earlier. It's become so divided between establishment, anti-establishment, and also people who are anti-establishment but have been painted as establishment. Mm. Um, and, and, and there's just this wave of um, not civil war, uh, I don't think we're quite there, but there are, there are all of these puncturing battles that are going on um, that are really interesting because it kind of shows a little bit of chaos. And I suppose it's expected because we're down to the wire, we're down to the last months of this campaign, um, and Trump supporters understandably so, want people to get in line behind Donald Trump and and pledge their support. But, I mean, I'm a big believer in principle over party, and I think even a lot of Republicans who consider themselves hardcore members uh, also believe that. And so it's tough for them to see this all unfold. But, again, if if Ted Cruz said vote your conscience, obviously Donald Trump would be doing that. So I, I don't quite see the issue there. Yeah, no, he addressed the Texas delegation this morning. It was a huge, I don't know if you guys saw it, but there's a video of him entering to, to address the Texas delegation, and they they were clearly very pleased with Ted Cruz this yeah. morning. Um, mm-hmm. And what Ted Cruz said, well, he made several comments, but uh, to what you said, Stephen, he said, if voting your conscience is not consistent with supporting the nominee, then Republicans aren't going to win. Basically, like, how how are the two not the same? He said, vote your conscience. <laughs> how is that not supporting the nominee? And if you don't think that is, then why is that? And then we're not going to win. But then also, too, back to what... Uh, what uh, Katie was saying, he also said that the pledge was not a blanket commitment. And basically, you know, if you attack my wife and my father and never apologize for it, either the candidate or the candidate's campaign, then he's not going to be a, quote, servile puppy dog, which I thought <laughs> was a fantastic line. Um, and Katie, you mentioned, you know, anyone that is is thinking that anything else was going to happen with Ted Cruz getting up there doesn't know Ted Cruz. What what? What are people missing here? Well, I, I think that everyone is used to everyone just going along and getting along in the Republican Party. Everybody's helped their nose for the past uh, couple presidential elections and just voted for McCain and just voted for Romney. But, I mean, there are solid conservatives who are out there who are not about the party. They're out there and they're fighting for ideas that they know will fix the country. So um, I think... 
I would have been really, truly disappointed if Ted Cruz had endorsed Donald Trump. Mm. Um, I think that what he said was exactly right. And what you were just saying is exactly right. Is voting your conscience as a conservative doesn't mean that you're going to vote for Donald Trump. And we have a bigger discussion that we need to have um, because that's a, a reflection upon the nominee and what we're doing as Republicans. Yeah. And, you know, Stephen, I think um, what what I found amusing was that uh, just after Ted Cruz's speech last night, uh, a reporter named Hallie Jackson asked Donald Trump what he thought about the Ted Cruz speech. He said, I loved it. That's it. That's a direct quote. He told this reporter that he loved it. Then, like less than an hour later, we get a direct tweet from from Trump's uh from Trump himself, which says, wow, Ted Cruz got booed off the stage, didn't honor the pledge. I saw his speech two hours early, but let him speak anyway. No big deal. Um, Like, there's so... uh, I just... uh, I guess we shouldn't expect anything else from a Trump tweet, but in one minute, I love this speech. Oh, yeah, actually, I knew what he was going to say, but I let him say anyway. But you know what? I didn't. It's no big deal. But he didn't honor the pledge, and he got booed off the stage. Then, just a half hour ago, he tweeted out. This is the new thing now. This is the new thing that Trump supporters are saying because you know Trump tweeted it. He said Ted Cruz talks about the Constitution, but doesn't say that if the Dems win the presidency, the new justices appointed will destroy us all. He doesn't mention if that's going to be with like bazookas, machine guns, or how we're all going to be destroyed. <laughs> but I'm just saying it's kind of implied. What what do you think, Stephen? What is I mean, I, on one hand, it's okay, and he loved it, and on the other hand, it's the worst thing ever. This is what Trump is basically but saying. My favorite image of this morning is uh, the the picture of the Trump family watching the speech, and they're all they all just have this look of like disgust on their face, <laughs> and uh, and it's very clear that they were not happy with it. And so I think Donald Trump was probably just saying a quick comment to a reporter. Um, whenever he tweeted that thing, I did see that, and I checked to make sure it wasn't a parody account because there's a really good one that's only one letter off. So yes. I always have to check to make sure it's real. Real Donald um, Trump is, yeah. Yeah, I know what one you're talking thing, about. Yeah, the, the thing that I will say about the pledge, which we lightly touched on earlier, is that circumstances change. Mm. Uh, and first of all, I, I don't think the, the Republican Party should have done the pledge. Yeah. I, I think that's just—I think that's a dumb idea for a party to say, "Okay, you're a candidate running, so you now automatically you need to support whoever the nominee is." Uh, like, like I said, circumstances change. Um, for example, let's pretend like Donald Trump did what he said in that one speech, and 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 you know went out on the corner and or went out into the streets of New York and shot somebody. Are we still supposed to support him? And obviously, right. that's an extreme—that's an extreme example. But I, I'm saying that. The actions that a candidate takes after certain events, they do matter. And the way that the candidate treats other people within the party does matter. Um, And this whole event has been a largely Trump event. It's not been as much as a Republican convention as it has been a Trump convention. And what's troubling about it is that he doesn't seem uh, to mind uh, – or he's not looking at his rhetoric or paying close – attention to his rhetoric, as people have been saying he's going to calm down, he's going to mellow out. He hasn't been doing it, and I don't expect him to anytime soon. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting. And, you know, I think uh, 
It's Jonah NRO, Jonah NRO. Yeah, at Jonah NRO on Twitter. He has a piece in the National Review this morning titled "I Choose Ted," which is um, really quite f- amusing, but also has a lot of good points in it. And he pointed out, as you said, Stephen, he said he called Ted Cruz. Speaking of Trump, he said he called Ted Cruz a liar every day and in every way for months, which used to be considered a breach in decorum to straight up call an opponent a liar. Never mind, use it as a nickname. The insults against his wife, the cavalier birtherism, the disgusting JFK assassination theories about his dad. These things are known. Yet the big conversation of the day is Ted Cruz's unsportsmanlike behavior. But forget Cruz for a moment. For over a year, Trump has degraded politics in some of the most vile ways, and his respect for the Republican Party as the home of conservatism is on par with Napoleon's respect for churches when he converted them into stables. So I think, you know, there is that side of it. As you mentioned, Stephen, we can't negate the fact that, um, and Katie, you touched on this too, there's just not been that um, friendship or camaraderie of any kind, if you will, between Ted Cruz and, and Donald Trump. And the fact that the Trump campaign knew about this, I believe they had the speech two days in advance. They let it go on anyway. I think just the fact that Cruz showed up was was good sportsmanship because he didn't even have to go and he agreed to go. He didn't say don't vote for Trump. He said don't stay home in November. I Personally, I thought it was a very gracious speech from Ted Cruz. I understand that a lot of people don't see it that way, but that's my take on it. Um, The other thing I want to touch on before I let you guys go is uh, Governor Mike Pence. We saw him speak last night. Katie, what were your impressions on on his speech? Do you think it sways any more uh, conservatives that might be on the fence, or is it just kind of a wash? So I uh, haven't been familiar with Mike Pence before he was... uh, chosen as the vice presidential running mate. So this was one of my first um, introductions to him. I feel like he is, I I thought his speech was really great. Um, I'm not sure if it's going to be swaying people. I think at this point, a lot of people are already set in what they're going to be doing um, in the election. But I think that he brings a nice balance to the ticket. He is a lot more docile than Trump is. Um, and I like that he is an actual conservative, more so than Donald Trump. So um, I, I felt like it was a great speech. It was, uh, <clears throat> but it's not really going to be swaying too many people, in my opinion. Yeah, you know, I, I, I thought the same thing. And then I saw the Lunds Focus Group, which, you know, those are, we can discuss those another time. But in the Lunds Focus mm-hmm. Group, uh, 10 people that were undecided with Pence's speech flipped to Trump. And I think that what Pence wow. brings a lot of is that social conservatism that Trump is obviously mm-hmm. um, lacking. And, you know, Trump has a lot of good um, policy points and different things fiscally conservative and you know obviously immigration and however we want to define those issues but when it comes to social conservatism he's really very weak um and i think that 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 pence complements that aspect but as you said katie i think that most people don't know him and then my my thought would be well people will just be like yeah well that's nice but he's not actually the president what can he do um Stephen, what do you think well, with Pence? Oh, yeah, go ahead, Katie. Okay. Yeah, no, go ahead. Well, that was something that I was hearing when I was on the ground, too, is, um, you know, uh, for people who have gone to Trump events, there are pretty vulgar, um, like, shirts that get sold, um, things that are not Christian-friendly. And I was um, standing outside talking to some gentlemen right next to some of the people who were selling shirts that 
make side comments about Monica and Hillary or just use the B word, things like that. And a lot of them were saying how they felt like the campaign was not, um, it wasn't catering to Christians the way that they wanted, didn't feel as included. So I think Mike Pence definitely ties that in well. Yeah, yeah, and I think that he has to because I, I, yeah, I think you're exactly right. I don't think that social conservatives feel that there's a lot on that comes just with Trump alone. Uh, Stephen, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, the party's platform this year um, has, or Trump's campaign is kind of having to fill this void with the party's platform because mm-hmm. the party's platform does have the social conservative side. And as you said, Trump doesn't have perhaps the greatest record or really that much interest in upholding the, the social policy. Um, and so I think Mike Pence said that um, in terms of people learning who he was, I think he told a good story. His speech was uh, entertaining and funny at parts. Um, and over the course of the next couple of months, um, and, and I suppose over the, the one vice presidential debate that we get, we'll get to know more about him Um I, I do still believe that while uh, while vice presidential picks may help the members of the party get onto a candidate, I, I don't believe they actually win elections. I don't yeah. think people um, like independents, for example, I don't think independents are going to be skeptical of Donald Trump and then see Mike Pence and go, oh, OK, well, I, I can get yeah. my, my vote then because the vice president – um, unless it's a strong vice president, which I don't think Mike Pence will be, the vice president doesn't have as much to play. So, um, but I think if anything, this did at least introduce people to, to Governor Pence and what the effect of that will be. I, I'm not sure quite yet. All right. Well, obviously, you know, tonight we have a. Uh... Mr. Trump himself, he'll be out to accept the nomination and give a speech. We'll finish with this. Let me. What What do you think? What is he? What are we expecting tonight? Are we going to hear more of "We're going to win so big, you're going to get tired of winning," and the party is so united, don't listen to anything anyone else tells you, or is it going to be um, more presidential, if you will? I think Stephen, you already touched on that a little bit. You said you don't expect him to change his tone or his rhetoric. So we'll start with you, and then we'll give Katie the last word. Well, the one thing I will say is when Trump is on a teleprompter, that is when he's not at a rally, when he's actually in a serious speech, you, you heard this in his foreign policy speech, he does generally have a better presence That's about true. him, uh, mm-hmm. more presidential, if you will. Um, I think a lot of Republic or a lot of, not a lot of Republicans, but a lot of, a, a lot of people are, are kind of hoping that tonight he goes, I really fooled y'all. I'm not a Republican. Uh, <laughs> so that, that would be weird if he did that. But uh but no, I, I think tonight is is the fine. It, it's his chance to cap off the convention. He understands that there's been a lot of uh, bumps in the road along this convention, and so tonight is he knows it's his opportunity to seal it off strong, um, and, and to to show, I guess, to the people there, the party members, people in America, that he can be presidential. Um, I, I still think the language he uses will be a little rough as. Speakers have noted this week, but I think his presence will be a little more presidential, if you will. Mm. Katie? I, um, I'm i hoping that he is going to come across, just like Stephen was saying, more presidential. Um, I mean, this is it. This is the moment where there's no other options. There's not going to be another Republican uh, candidate. It is Donald Trump. So he needs to go up there tonight. He needs to be presidential. He needs to unify the party. And he needs to be... The, the face of the Republican Party and 
hopefully lead us to victory in November. All right. Well, sounds good. Thank you both for being with us. It's Stephen Perkins and Katie Moyer. Um, it's at Stephen with a P underscore Perkins on Twitter, and it's at Katie Moyer, right? It's K-A-Y-T-E-E. Yes. Katie Moyer. Yes. You can find them both at OutsetMagazine.com. Thank you guys for being here. Be sure to get you on again soon. I'm assuming neither of you are going to the Democrat convention next week? I will be, actually. Oh, really? Oh, this is fantastic. <laughs> See, now... He's all over the place. Now now <laughs> I know things that will... Yes. Well, Stephen and Katie will be back <laughs> next week. They don't know it yet, but you do. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, thanks, Thank you guys. You. We'll talk with you again next week, then, if you're you. up to it. We'll, you know, we'll talk you. about that when not the whole world is listening. So... <laughs> Everyone else, thanks for tuning in today. This is The Fertile Show on KVXL 101.1 FM, Experience Liberty Radio in Las Vegas. Thanks to those of you tuned in over at the405media.com as well. Reminder, you can find us on iTunes. Just search The Fertile Show or go to soundcloud.com slash The Fertile Show. For those of you that are on Android, uh, SoundCloud has a great app that you can use as well to download past episodes of the show. Tomorrow is Fun Friday, and we're going to be giving away... We can be giving away. We're going to be giving away. Let me hang on. I got to open the envelope to tell you what it is. Dun dun dun. We're going to be giving away ten dollars worth of gift certificates to Family Christian stores. I believe there's one here in Las Vegas, but you can also use it online at familychristian.com. So ten bucks to Family Christian, and we're going to be giving away D. Henderson's new book, Traces of Guilt. New York Times best-selling author of Full Disclosure. So Traces of Guilt and $10 to Family Christian Stores tomorrow for our Fun Friday segment. We won't do politics, but warning, spoiler alert, if Donald Trump makes headlines tonight, which he probably will, I might have to mention that. Maybe we'll take like three or four minutes. Also, Mike Lee has thoughts on Pokemon Go, and I've got to play that video for you because it's fantastic. Actually, we'll play the audio for you because this is radio, so you can't see anything. But if you follow me on Facebook or Twitter, I'll post the video there so you can watch it. You can find me at The Frittle. Thanks for being here today. We're going to go out to 10,000 Reasons from David Wesley. See you back here tomorrow. Have a great day, everyone.